like for you to turn to the book of Colossians, please. I've told you many times that the greatest revelation addressed to the church of the body to which we belong is the book of Ephesians. Then Philippians corrects the practical error that crept into the church due to the failure of adhering to the revelation given in the book of Ephesians. And then Colossians corrects the doctrinal error that had crept into the church due to the wrong practice, due to the failure of adhering to the revelation in the book of Ephesians. Now, when you read these three epistles in the light of what I've just said, you get a real beautiful unfoldment of understanding that perhaps you did not have previously. This year, we taught the book of Ephesians in the core. And to do the book of Ephesians, you must have the knowledge of Philippians and Colossians because so many things in Ephesians are brought back in Colossians and it just seems like Colossians hits it doubly hard because they had made a doctrine out of it. So when it comes back in Colossians, it's socket to in time, according to God. In other words, hit them again, hit them again, hit them again. And I thank God for these revelations because this is exactly what our people need around the nation. You just got to keep hitting people with God's word again and again and again and again. The art of remembrance is repetition. If you're going to remember, you've got to repeat, 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 repeat. That's how you get twins, Pete and repeat. So uh, uh, that's what he called them. That was daddy. That's for you religious people. Colossians chapter 3 is for the believers. So tonight, Colossians 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, and the if is posited upon a simple confession with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Upon that confession, then you are already risen with him. Because Ephesians teaches in the other epistles that when Christ died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he arose, we arose with him. When he ascended far above all principalities and powers, we ascended with him. When he was seated at the right hand of God, we're seated with him. All of these great realities, like when he was baptized, we were baptized. When he was circumcised, we we have everything in what Christ did for us. And we are what the word of God says we are. We have what the word of God says we have. And therefore, we are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are in him and he is in God. And we're seated with him. And we're already risen with him. If you then belong to this category of believers, which you do, here at International Hope, you better, or somebody better walk you outside and get you saved and bring you back in for this teaching. (laughs) Uh, Seek those things which are where? Right. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That means everything that he has completed, everything he has accomplished for the believer. That's what you seek. There's a reference in the Gospels in Matthew that tells you to seek something. You think anybody can read my IBM? Doug Emerson. 
Right. What is it? That's right. In the Gospels, they sought the kingdom first because the kingdom of heaven was here. You and I do not seek the kingdom. It's not here. Something better is here. We seek those things which are what? Above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That's what we seek. Everything that's been accomplished in Christ. While he was here upon earth, they could only seek that which was available and attainable at that time, which was the kingdom of God in Christ called the kingdom of heaven upon earth. But you and I do not seek the kingdom. In the kingdom you have priests, you have, you know, those kind of kings. You do not have priests and kings in the body of the born-again believers since the day of Pentecost. Kings and priests belong to the kingdom period. Sons of God, born again of God's spirit, both male and female, humanly speaking, are sons of God, and we belong to this body of the church. And we're already risen with him. And we're to seek those things which are above. Seek those. Seek those. Boy, what a tremendous thing. How many times we get conditioned by the world and we seek the things that the world makes available. The word says we're to seek those things which are above. Now, in the gospel period, if you would move that stupid little thing about four inches that way, all of my people would get a little blare, blare. Whoop, that's too far. Put it back. Isn't it great how I direct this program? <laughs> you know what? I got to see down my firing line here. See? And he was over too far. Those fellas going to have to pray for their necks because they're all leaning over like that. <laughs> Now, I don't forgot what I said. Yeah, no, I don't. We'll get back. You see, in the gospel, seek first the kingdom. That's beautiful. That was right on. But this is right on for the body of believers. We seek those things which are what? Where Christ said everything he accomplished for us is what we seek. The religious groups of our day and time will try to get you to seek the kingdom first because they'll put you back in the gospel period. You cannot go back to something that's no longer there. You can fool your mind and you can say, well, you know, I'm under that. No, you're not. How can you be under something if it's not there? <laughs> Look, we have a, supposed to have, if they didn't take it down last night, we have real opportunities. We have real friends. Every time they put up markers at the end of the road, says, where will road? The state puts them up one day and certain citizens accommodate the state and take them down every night. You know, uh, I don't know. They still got the stop sign up at this end of the road. When you leave tonight, you may find out. I think there's one at that end too. <laughs> you know, I think there's a law someplace on the ritual books of our state that indicate that when you get at the end of Weirwell Road, there's a, supposed to be a more important road coming along there called 29. 
Not more important on the word, but more important road, understand? <laughs> and so when you get there, you S-T-O-P. And if that fella sits over there that's got one of those twirlers at the top, <laughs> and you don't S-T-O-P, he might S-T-O-P you and hand you a little white yellow card that has IBM markings on it that they can file quickly after you pay your 25. <laughs> Maybe it's 29 at 29. I'm not sure. 25 in costs, 29. Yeah, you'll remember it's 29. It's a law, right? All right. Let's say the, the fellas over here in Columbus decided that this was a more important road than 29 and they'd take the stop sign down, then what would have happened to the law? It's gone, right? But now every time you get over there, you stop. You could still put yourself under it only because of your own mind, not because there is a law, right? That's exactly the word. People put themselves under the gospel, but they can't do it really because it's not there. It doesn't apply to them. It was kingdom. We are the born again of the church of the body. Gospels were the church of the bride. Jesus Christ was a bridegroom. Israel was the bride. In the body, he's the head of the body. And every member is very particular, very important in that body. If then we're risen with Christ, which we are when we're born again, seek those things which are above the complete fulfillment of that which is available to every born again believer. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He didn't sit on God's left hand. He sat on the right one. Because the right hand is the hand of completion. It's the hand of blessing. It's the hand of everything God stands for. The left hand's land a hand of cursing and hit them with it or something. Where Christ sitteth. And the word sitteth means everything is completely complete. It's finished. People, there's nothing coming. That's ever going to be better than what we have, except the fulfillment of what we've already got, which is the return. That's all. The next administration to Israel is not going to be as glorious as this one. This is the greatest thing God has ever done. Because the next administration will basically go back to Israel. This one is for Jews and Gentiles. Anyone born again of God's spirit has the same equal sonship rights. They're already risen with him. They're already seated. Seated. Set down at the right hand of God. It's all completely complete. Why Romans says, you shall never enter into condemnation. We're going to be judged, but not for condemnation, not for sins. Because in Christ Jesus, he covered our what? But we're going to be judged for the rewards. So if you're born again, and then you sin away the rest of your life, you haven't got any rewards. And I want to tell you, eternity is a lot longer than 60 or 70 years. 
And if I was you, I'd recommend <laughs> to get yourself a little bit ready for eternity and not just the immediate now. Now, the immediate now will give you tremendous rewards if you live it naturally. But there you'll be rewarded forever. But if you blow it all your lifetime after you're a Christian, sure, you're going to be in heaven. But shucks, you ain't going to have any ice cream or cracker, Jack. <laughs> in other words, no rewards is all I'm saying. That's all. <laughs> I suppose I'll get ten more boxes of cracker, Jack. <laughs> you just keep them coming. <laughs> Public announcement. Watch them come in. <laughs> I get so blessed. I get more Cracker Jack, I think, than any Cracker Jack man in America. And you know what I do with it? Give it away. If you got fun giving it to me, I got great joy giving it away. Because you should have seen the kids here yesterday. Somebody brought me a big old box. I don't like those big boxes, too. I like those small ones. Because... <laughs> You know why? Because every box has a prize in it. And you get a big box, you only get one prize. <laughs> That's the kid in me. See, I want two prizes, two boxes. <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> it isn't that Cracker Jack that interests me so much. It's that no, the, those nuts and the prize in there. That's why I'm interested. Anyways, they gave it to me. So what do I do? I borrow Uncle Harry's pocket knife. And it was interesting because I was sitting between three men. I said, fellas, there ought to be a pocket knife. All three men had a pocket knife. Uncle Harry had one. Howard Allen had one. And George Jess was sitting to my left. And they all three dug out their pocket knife. So I first took Harry and cut it a third. Took Howard's, cut another third. Took George's, cut another third. No, I didn't. I just took one of them. But that's what I thought in my mind. Three pocket knives. I cut it open, flipped the flip top back, <laughs> and the first kid I saw came along. I said, hey, you like popcorn? Oh, their smile went from here. They just love popcorn. And that's how I keep my kids sweet, because that Cracker Jack is sweet. And so I gave it to him, and then I said, now you got to share it. Boy, whoo, every kid came around, and they shared it. Wasn't that neat? See, I got the biggest bang out of giving it away. Somebody else get blessed to give it to me? So everybody gets blessed. The kids get blessed because we're already seated. You don't see how I get around all this stuff, do you? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder too. But, <laughs> well, bless your heart. I like you. I'm glad you like me. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of what? Boy, isn't that wonderful to have gotten past that stage of condemnation? I used to be so condemned. Then I got to thinking, well, if everybody's as condemned as I am, God's got to run out of condemnation sometime. Not even God can have that many condemnations. <laughs> then one day I read in Romans and believed that we passed from death unto life. We shall never more come into con And I said, oh, my goodness, that theology is a lot different than I was taught. Then I got to renewing my mind on God's word. And you know something? I didn't sin any more then than I did previously. When I found out what I was in Christ Jesus, I didn't commit any more sins then than I did when formerly I was always condemned when I had a bad thought 20 years ago. Isn't that neat? And I found out that the word of God's the will of God, and what a day that was. Man, that just shook me up. That the word of God is bigger than a professor 
That the word of God is bigger than V.P. Weirwill. That the word of God is bigger than the right reverend. Man, what a, what a thrill it is to learn that there is no man stands even close to that word. It's that word par excellence. And we are what the word of God says we are because Jesus Christ was the word of God incarnate. He lived it. He made it available. He is seated at the right hand of God and we're already seated with him. That's why we are more than conquerors, have a life that's more than abundant. That's why you've got power. That's why you're here at summer school. To tap into that word more, to learn a little more, that you can utilize it in your life and then bless people with it. You better be here for that or we close summer school. <laughs> That's right. Therefore, verse 2 says, set your affections. Another translation is mind. <laughs> if you really work that thing out, you will see that in depth it will say, set your heart. That's why they translated affection. Because they, they saw the tenderness that was there. They could have, the King James boys could have translated it mind. Others do. But the reason the King James didn't do this, because they had some knowledge or available to them that they knew it was deeper than just head knowledge, just mental assent. It was a tenderness. If there's, if there's a mutual love between us, then you are sort of affectionate to me and I'm affectionate to you. That's what it's talking about. Set your affection, your heart. Set it, set it, like in concrete. Set it, set it. Set your affections on things where? Above, not on things on the what? And all of us have been conditioned to set our affections on things on the earth. The earth, the old world's always vying for our minds. Right. You know, they want us to buy this type of Cracker Jack or that type. The world, the world's always vying for our toothpaste we use and this kind of thing. Isn't that something? And there, in direct opposition to it, it says, set your heart on things above, not on things. We are not conditioned by what the world says. We're word conditioned, not world conditioned. Because when you get world conditioned, you just got an L of a time in it. <laughs> so you just got to come back to the word. Then you've got the L out of the world, and you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you've got the word, the word. So we set our affections on those things above that have been accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. Oh, what a tremendous thing. To become renewed in your mind with different love, different concern, different affection. Where formerly the world affected us and our affections were in the census world. Often talk about this, Howard and I. You know, he was the best pool shark Ohio had, I guess, at one time. You know, he'd, he'd rather pooch, pool, shoot pool than eat, I think. I think half the time he rather shoot pool and come home to you, Emma Jean, didn't he? <laughs> At least he shot a lot of pool. And he wasn't sort of bad on it because I think he told me sometimes he ran 150, 250 bucks, uh, you know, a few little bets on the side and he'd win him. See? And then something happened to him. He took a class for power for money living and he ruined his pool game. <laughs> <laughs> 
not immediately. But as he started putting on, setting his affection on things where? That's right. That's um, And now, you know, we talk about it. We all, he and I talk about what we know all the time in our hearts. We're never going to get time to shoot pool again. You know, and the reason we say that it isn't that we may not shoot pool someday just to mess around. But we're never committed again. We have a different interest. You've gone through this in your phases, in other phases of your life. You you had a great interest in one time to listen to hard rock or something. Or, you know, throw stones through the window. I don't know. But, boy, the word got to you, and you started setting your mind, your affection on things above. And what happened to those interests? They changed. Matter of fact, you even changed friends in the process. Those that you thought, <laughs> yeah, many of the people you thought were friends, you found out weren't quite so friendly when you really got some truth and started walking, setting your affection on new things. Well, that's what it says. Get your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. <laughs> For you're dead. And your life is hid. It's hid. Ladies and gentlemen, if God hid it in Christ, I want to tell you, there are no theologians' eyeballs that are going to see it. Your life is hid with Christ in who? God. Not beautiful? It does not say that your life is hid with God in God. It says it's hid with what? And Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son whom God raised and whom God seated, right? How about your life? That's right. (laughs) And our lives are hid, are hid with Christ, what he did for us. You see, when he died, we went down with him. When he arose, we arose with him, class. When he ascended, we ascended with him. We're already seated in the heavenlies, and we're down here in summer school, 1976. Now, that takes a big dude to do that. Takes a big God, too. <laughs> now, already our lives are hid when we're born again. They're hid with Christ in whom? Man, oh, man. That, that, that just blows your mind. That just takes you so far abroad. That most people looking at it say, oh, that can't be. That's right. That's why it is. Because the world says it can't be. God said he did it. Therefore, it is. Because God is not a would be or has been. He is. It is. (laughs) He's always a present tense operator. Not a past tense. He operates. We're already seated. Seated. So we set our affections, our heart toward the greatness of God's word and all these other things in life that people stew about will be ours. Let me ask you a question. Would God for his sons do less than what he did for his servants? Nah. Or you'd have been better to have been a servant than a son. Now, wait a minute. Hardly any of you would buy that in your earthly family. How much less would you want to buy it in God's family? I'd much rather be a son of God than a servant of God. That's right. Therefore, he promised in the Gospels, 
Matthew 6, 33, that Doug quoted. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. Don't worry about the flower. They move. <laughs> I just got long arms. <laughs> all the best to share the love of God with you. I can hug more of you with the love. Yeah. That's right. Now, what about seat we're with Christ in God? What about all things being available to his sons and daughters born again of God's spirit? Isn't that beautiful? How far we live below par. And you know why? Because we are still setting our affection too much on things on the earth. We're earth-bound people, earth-conditioned people. We ought to be glory-conditioned people, God-conditioned people. That's right. The world says if you don't do this, you won't have that. The Word of God says you've already got it. So what do you do? You vote with the world. No, you, you start voting with God and class... I learned a long time ago, and it's no secret, that you just don't grow up into maturity overnight. You get born in a moment of time, but the growth is a lifetime. I imagine if we live to be 90, we may still be able to learn some the last day of our life if we stay open to God. Taught the camp this week one night a little bit. They didn't teach much. I was tired and mess around. So, but I taught them one night a little bit about Moses. You know how long it took God to put him through the core? Forty years! <laughs> That's right. Forty years God spent. And I want to tell you, I figure Moses had a better teacher than the core has. Jethro made a few little contributions occasionally. A couple daughters and a few other things. But many times Jethro sort of plugged in the wrong source and Moses had to get straightened up and his teacher must have been time and time again the direct voice of God just laying her out. Forty years it took God to get Moses around so he could lead a people called Israel. I take you through the core in three years, and you think you're the smartest in the world. <laughs> How stupid. Hey, but you're not as stupid as you were three years ago, praise God. <laughs> All I've tried to show you is, let's not criticize and find fault with each other. Let's go to the Word and just keep our heart lifted up and rising higher and higher to appropriate and to receive the things God has made available to us and just keep growing day after day in the knowledge and the wisdom of the greatness of that word, putting it on. And I'm sure within my heart that you're walking better today even than you did yesterday. You'll walk a little better tomorrow because you'll have a little more knowledge of the word and greater tenderness, greater heart, and you'll be more convinced that you got to set your affections and things up there and not on things down here. It's a beautiful growth. Why? Because your life is hid with Christ in God. Oh, you see in chapter 2, in verse 9, he said, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the head God bodily, verse 10. And you are complete, 10. 
210. You are what? Complete. You're complete in him who is the head over all principality and power. This tongue about Jesus Christ who is with God, seated at the right hand. You're seated at the right hand, but you still have a little period of time to work down here to do a little sharing, witnessing, under-shepherding, and a few other things. And it says you are complete. How could you be complete in him if it's Christ in you if he was incomplete? You and I are complete because of his what? Completeness. And he so completely completed everything that he's seated at the right hand of God and now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are complete in him who is the head over all principality. And if you got that completeness, then you are over all what? Principality and what? That's why you set your affections above. And not on things on what? The earth will say you're not above principality and power. The word says you are. Christ in you says you are. Now, whichever way you vote determines the election. Right. You got to say it. You got to say it. And when you start saying it, just say it often enough, you start believing it. Uh, There's always a way that the adversary the world uses to run people down. And they'll start talking about you and then start magnifying the story and get everybody else to talk about it. The great principle they use, it is really used with great, great wisdom by the world. Because if they want to really mop you off and really take care of you, they'll start saying something bad about you. Then he'll say it. Then he'll say it. Then She'll say it. Then they multiply this and they have the opinion if enough people will say it, the key people will believe it. So they get enough people to say it to get key people in authority and power to believe it, then they can execute you properly. A real great trip. Well, says in verse 4, when, when, see, when is time? Christ, our what? Now, just wait a minute. He is our what? Well, then let's act like it. Then the government is not our life, nor any other man. You got it? Now, you got to make up your mind. Is the word of God true or is it false? If you believe there is life at any other place than what the word says, then your opinion takes preeminence over the word of God. Then your opinion is magnified beyond God. The Bible says he magnified his word. And it says that when Christ Our life, our life, he is our life. It's the only one we got. Shall appear. He shall, puts it in the tense, he's coming back. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's coming back. At the present, he's seated in the heavenlies. 
On the right hand, send forth above the, send forth this which you now see and hear, Acts 2, remember a few of those things. And he is here in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only Christ people I ever see today is you. Well, make them look at something, baby. <laughs> That's right. That woman of God. Well, tonight in a closed corporation meeting with the students and the corps, I'm going to have her sing that woman's song. I think it's the greatest women's lib song written that Stevie K sing. But the one she sang here for you tonight. Look at the greatness of that boy. The original song says, I am just a woman. I changed the words. Had it changed. I'm born a woman. You are just a woman? Any old nincompoop could be a woman, just a woman. But you're not nincompoops. That's right. You're born again women of God, sons of God. You're not just a woman. Maybe that's what the senses world many times dogs us with. You are not just a woman. You're a child of God, born again of God's spirit. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why she sings it. I think she sings, I was born a woman. Well, that's right. You know, she can try the other method and can't get born again the other way. So she's born a what? Some of the rest of us poor sticks were born men. <laughs> God had that sort of figured out. You come one way or the other. So <laughs> suppose you had a song, I am just a man. Why every man loses dandruff. <laughs> he knows he's not a man. He knows he's a man's man. Born again of God's spirit. Well, the women are, look, boy, oh boy, man, Christ, our life shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in what? You know, man, that beautiful. There's no ifs, ands about it. He's coming back. When he does, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And if you'll remind me, I'll have the gang sing. I wrote you a letter sometime tonight. That's right. Boy, that's got great stuff in it. They got born again someplace along the line. Corinthians, they learned speaking tongues. And Galatians, they did something else. And Philippians, they flipped out on something. And Colossians, they did something. It's a great song. And they finally get to Thessalonians. And that's Christ coming back. That's true. That's what Thessalonians all about. The return. The return. It says, we appear with him. He's coming back right now. The only way Christ is here is through. But he's coming back in person. <laughs> right here. He's going to pick us up. Close to it. Almost. It'll be a grand pickup. First the dead in Christ picked up. out. Of, then those that are alive shall be what? So shall we meet him in the air. That's the magnetic power of God drawing us all over the world at the same time. Something. And so shall we ever be with what? The Lord. Yeah. Are there any questions about it? None whatsoever as far as I'm concerned. You know why? I speak in tongues. Ooh, yeah. I learned it from Corinthians. 
Yeah, and then I learned it also that it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, so I thought it was good enough for me. Because I just imagine there were never any greater theologians or clergymen than Paul and a few others. And then I ran into a problem where God said, Why would you all speak in tongues? It's a commandment of the Lord. And, oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> now, you might have a little problem with Paul, ladies and gentlemen. You might have a little problem with Jesus Christ. But you couldn't have a problem with God, could you now? And when he said in 1 Corinthians, I would you all speak in tongues, this is a commandment of God, seems to me that we ought to be doing what? Quit arguing then. Do it! (laughs) I've got the proof. I've got the proof that the word of God is true. I have the experiential proof. Then I have it in concretion in the senses world, indisputable and undeniable. Because before I was knowledgeable of that word, not uh, born again, but I didn't know it. And if you don't know it, you can't do much with that birth. If I was born again, you know, born the first time, and my earthly father had left me a million, but I did not know it, nor did anybody tell me, could I ever collect it? No. What about born again? If nobody tells you and you don't know it, you can't collect it. Once you know it, you ought to collect it. I would yell, this is a commandment. I couldn't do that 35 years ago. Now, you know I'm 39. <laughs> Bless your heart. You must be born again to speak in tongues by the freedom of your will. And I want to tell you, I was in perfect control of that little bit of faculty I have up there a few seconds ago. That's right. Look, we have the proof. You got the proof. The word's right. Set your affection above, not on things on the earth. Your life is hid. What do you want people digging it up for all the time if it's what? Hid. I don't let them dig it up. Break their handle. (laughs) I'm glad you've got a good sense of humor. You see why? Man being here in summer school. We just talked about this week. Who's going to teach one God? You know, Walter and I. It's sort of neat. Uh, they want to call it Jesus Christ is not God. As far as I'm concerned, the subject's still one God. And I suppose next year I'll have it that way in the calendar of operation. Isn't it funny? He wanted to know if I was going to teach it. I already knew he was going to teach it. But that's my Walter. You know some I would just love to teach you one God. Man, I'd get real cranked up if I had that privilege. But you know something? I'm going to give the privilege to Walter. You know why? He not only has that knowledge, you know, he can do it beautifully. And he's a young man. He can learn. He can move with it. He'll teach his heart out to you. And nine chances out of ten, you get better taught than if I did it. Because he ain't going to mess around as much as I do. Won't tell you a lot of silly stories, I hope. But... <laughs> The point still is, 
How are these men going to learn unless they get an opportunity to teach? And boy, I want to tell you, when Walter finishes that one God in this summer, you will know things no generations have known. When you finish that bookstore management, that leading of the song service and Esther and Gilroy make, that other course Howard's doing. How to how to buy 75 cent gasoline for 15 cents, that's a practical side. Very simple. Quit cracking up your cars and we can take it off the gasoline. Let Howard figure that illustration out. But you don't you see, boy, every one of our teachers is qualified. Every one of them. Not only spiritually, but headwise. They put this thing up here. I'm sure Emma Jean's just been dreaming how she can best teach that bookstore management so we don't mess it up out there on the outside all the time. That we really move that thing so it's beautiful for God's people. That's all we're trying to do. Bernita in her class has dreamed this thing. Everybody. So I'm real grateful that you're here for summer school. Sure, I'd like to teach. But the real truthful, thank God I don't have to, I guess. But uh, really, I'll I tell you, we go night owling. If I can't teach, we go night owling sometime. Okay? You want to go night owling? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some of you people don't know what that is, huh? That's about as bad as snipe catching. But... <laughs> <laughs> After midnight, it's hoot owling. But I promise you, some night this week, if it's agreeable with the staff and cast, we'll do some night owling. But it's really a joy having you in here for summer school. And it's a wonderful privilege having the rest of you here for summer school tonight. And don't forget to come back next week. Same station, same time, same word. And I just showed you a little. You know, I'd planned on teaching you all of Colossians chapter 3 tonight. <laughs> I got through at least one verse or two. People, there's nothing quite as great to me as that word. Look how simple that word is in the first five verses. You don't need a Matthew Henry's. That's an old established concordant, uh, um, commentary. Right. You don't need any commentaries. All you have to do is just read plaining. If your life is hid with Christ in God, don't read a commentary, read the word. It's so simple. God so loved that he gave. That's simple. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's what? You see, God had to make it so simple so that simple people could become saved. And knowledgeable of the greatness of God. Why do you think God chose men like Peter? Rest I'm sure I knew they were all available to him. But don't kid this man any. God knew in his foreknowledge that they were humble enough to believe. Why did those shepherds on the Judean hills the night of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ get the information in the top brass with all the brains in the IBM sitting right down there in Jerusalem Never got a one single thought coming through to him. Why? 
God in his foreknowledge knew that the shepherds on the Judean hills were humble enough to hear. And they had enough intelligence to believe to go to Bethlehem instead of Jerusalem. They were just humble enough to receive God's word as God's will. That he meant what he said and he said what he meant. That's why, sure, Gary Curtis wrote, our hands are clumsy, but they're blessed. Boy, that's a great letter. A lot of other great things. Sure, the ministry doesn't depend upon us. It depends upon God. But you know what depends upon us? The planting and the what? Water. So you plant it, water it, okay? That's why it's so tremendous. 